Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball. Be sure to check out these other coaching-focused podcasts on the Hoopheads Pod Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. You can also check out our NBA podcasts, Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Cavalier Central, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. All right, guys, Beyond the Ball, back again for another episode. Coach Klump, how are you doing? Very good, very good. The week off from teaching, so I was able to recharge the batteries a little bit to get some stuff done around the house, some spring cleaning, some landscaping duties today I had to get get taken care of. But uh, other than that, I think I'm ready to go back to work. How about yourself? I am definitely ready to go back. We are about 10 weeks out from the end of the school year. You know, it's it's very... Still kind of an awkward year given mm-hmm. COVID restrictions. We're getting slowly getting new updates and new guidelines, but I'm not sure how many of those guide change in guidelines are really going to affect us this year. So my approach is just to stay positive and just keep grinding, grinding this thing out. So yeah, it's something we'll that no happens. one's ever gone through before. It's certainly been an extremely difficult year, a lot of resiliency by a lot of administration and teachers out there. So we s- certainly celebrate you all, especially and the students out there. You know, um, it's a tough task. You're, you're, you've been asked to do a lot more than many other students have in the past. So we celebrate that, too. Yeah, it's such a fine line, too, you know, because we a lot of places want to come back. A lot of our smaller schools are back or are going full time or most days, you know, and some bigger schools just can't handle some of the guidelines. And so such a fine line that all these communities walk uh, because you want to be safe, but you don't want to be like too paranoid about it. And, you know, finding that balance is really, really uh, key. So yeah, I celebrate them as well. Uh, Coach, as we dig in here a little bit tonight, we got a really uh, good guest, the guy that we've known for a long time. Yes, yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, Nate Butel. And he actually wears many hats. Um, And so I'm really interested to get into a conversation with him about off-season stuff because as I am previewing his resume and going through and doing some research getting ready for this conversation I don't really see where he has an off-season and so you know that's one of the questions that you know I kind of wanted to pose to you which is because you're busy you know we're high school coaches we coach different sports multiple sports different responsibilities what is like one of your one or two, maybe three if you have them, priorities for the off-season for your teams, for your program at the school that you're at. I know it's different for everybody, obviously, because we all have different size schools, different commitment levels, et cetera. But when we're talking off-season, as we start to get into this, um, what are some of your priorities? I think, first of all, my priority right now is as we are transitioning into different seasons in, in New York, um, in Western New York specifically, uh, we're, we're into football season. I think my number one priority is still to be a coach. Um, and, and what I mean by that is just to cr- be there and um, supporting them, you know, whatever sport that they're about to do, let them know that I'm out there watching them, let them know that if they ever need a hand or if they ever want a piece of advice, I'm still there on the sidelines watching them perform, um, being a huge advocate for them and giving them any kind of constructive criticism I can to create that relationship with them so that they know that, you know, my care is there. I, uh, and, I, and that's probably my, my number one priority. And then number two is, you know, making those connections and, and finding time to um, get them in the gym when they can. Um, and there's, there's, 
this year is going to be craziness going down the wire when we come to the, how school is going to close. So for, for this year, especially, uh, my priorities lie in number one, being there to support them in whatever sport that they're participating in, you know, cause I'm always going to be their coach. And number two is trying to find any way to, to, to find time in the gym when they have some downtime and to start those connections for next year's team. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because as I'm sitting here and, you know, starting to maybe just analyze what just happened with our season and figure out a pathway moving forward for, you know, people like you and I that are really into it and other coaches, we want to get started on next season right away. And, you know, coaching at schools that are our size, those athletes aren't necessarily thinking about basketball for the uh, for the following season. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they're on the football or, you know, maybe lacrosse or baseball is coming up as well. So, yeah, that's a good piece of advice just to keep connected, stay connected. Um, and on a lighter note, maybe get my uniforms in and inventory <laughs> so we don't yeah. lose those because we're constantly running those things down constantly running those jerseys down but yeah i appreciate those those little bit of insights yeah because i mean from that conversation we had with randy last week it it got me thinking you know it was just a tremendous conversation with him just a lot of insight you know um because when your season ends the way you you know you never really wanted it to end short or you thought that you're going to take the next step you start wondering what ifs and and if the way that you do things are the way that you should do things and should we change things but talking to randy um was really reassuring that you know just stick to the standards and and work on those standards every single day be who you are um be confident in in what you want to emphasize um and then just keep moving forward yeah i think that's that's pretty powerful stuff and i think for me it's a, a constant evolution of you know, standards versus mission statement versus what we're trying to run, just trying to make sure I'm prepared um, as well. And then I think where I'm starting to move into as well as just with this COVID thing, trying to find opportunities for them to play. Mm-hmm. If it's not going to be in our gym and not working with us for whatever reason, you know, are there opportunities for these guys outside of our program? Um, to at least get some reps in and, and to to get some experience. So always a busy time of year trying to balance multiple activities. So uh, I appreciate that for real. Um, what do you got for us in terms of uh, the faithful side, getting in touch with the Lord? Do you have any words of encouragement? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. I'm, I'm gravitating towards Psalm 139, 15 and 16. Uh, this week, and it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And it just reminds me that each and every one of us have this unique combination of abilities, interests, um, passions that has never been before and will never be seen again by anyone other than ourselves and that God knows every detail about that and every detail about your life and it was carefully planned out and the way you were made was just with such elegance and it's just so reassuring that God knew ahead of time and chose to make us and keep it just keeps reminding myself of the truth because it just impacts my life in such a positive way knowing that. Yeah, I appreciate those words. We just had this conversation with my daughter um, the other day. We made a little bit of a day trip to Niagara Falls, which is about 45 minutes from where Mm -hmm. we live. And on the trip, you know, just a family day, my wife and I and our four kids, because we're not getting many of those left. She's getting ready to finish up her freshman year here. And we were just talking about, you know, what, you know, what her thoughts are, plans, what classes she's going to take next year, where she thinks her life is headed, what she wants to be when she grows up, you know, just kind of speaking that stuff into existence about where are we going with your life? What's the path in front of you? And she was a little, uh, little shy, a little taken aback because she doesn't want to disappoint. She's such a great kid, my daughter, Emma. And she doesn't want to disappoint her mom or myself. And so she's very nervous sometimes to bring up some of the things that she has in her heart about what she wants to do with her life. And, you know, because she doesn't think that we'll, we'll agree or it's what we want for her. And so it really took a chance. Well, it was a chance for me, excuse me, to take a step back and just say, you know, 
you know, this is going to be her life. Like we just talked about, you know, about standards and uh, in the basketball program, it's the same thing when you're parenting. It's like we have certain standards, you know, faith first, family second, and then do your best and love other people. Like it really can be boiled down to like those four things. And, you know, you just want them to have such a a, a bountiful life, mm-hmm. you know, filled with happiness and joy. And it's hard to not try to control every aspect of that. So yeah, like Coach you Drew do- said on Monday, a, a, a culture of joy, Jesus, others, and then yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that's exactly yes, that's exactly what I think I'm talking about here as well. And so I just needed to be reminded of that in that moment that day that you know, whatever's going to happen with her is already been planned out. Right. We're just going to keep pushing in a positive direction what what influence we do have we're going to get after it so that's a great uh, conversation to have as parents you know you're just reassuring that listen um we don't we're not going to see the same vision that you have even though we're parents we're cultivating this way for you um but you're going to have your own visions and we can't see what you see yeah i just want always want to make sure that as i move forward as my kids all get a little bit older here that they just understand that there are certain outcomes that come with certain decisions they make. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and not to expose themselves that, you know, they have to take care of themselves mentally, physically, emotionally first, um, mm-hmm. before they, they put themselves out there for, uh, everybody to see and criticize. Right. It's very easy for them to get torn down in this day and age. So there's certain uh, medications that we're going to have to take in life. Um, that we don't know that we need right. until until the moment comes. Right. Absolutely. And just being, you know, strong enough in your faith to, and I, I'm talking about my daughter, but I'm talking about everybody, right? I'm talking about myself, you, anybody that is listening, you all, we're all going to have those doubts. We're all going to have those things. So as long as you can remain faithful, that there's a plan there. Mm-hmm. You might not see it right away, but there is a plan there that's, really powerful stuff. So one of the reasons I love having this podcast with you, because I get to reflect a little bit like that. So, all right, let's, anything else to add? I feel like I've droned on. You good? Yeah, absolutely. Then then I am all about that moving up. Let's get on Nate. Let's get Nate in here. Yeah, Nate is a really, really interesting story for us because we actually are of the same age. You know, I think he might be a little younger than us, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's right. Maybe a little younger than I, us. I believe but, you're correct. But from the same area, same high school athletic programs as us, and really has taken his love of sports uh, on an interesting journey. And so can't wait to really dive into his story That's a what this bit. pod's all about, baby. Yeah, let's celebrate him. Let's go to a break. And when we come back, we'll have Coach Nate Butel. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. All right, guys, we're back with Nate Butel. Uh, Nate is the women's basketball coach, women's softball coach, SID, and the head of athletic scheduling or the coordinator of Nate. How are you doing? And did I get all your titles correctly? Uh, yeah, I think all the ones at the current moment, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, Nate, thanks for joining us with Beyond the Ball podcast here. Um, I, you know, Justin introduced you. We, I just want to start out with, um, you know, very simply, I think the question is here is how do you find the time? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I always like to tell people I like to stay busy, um, you know, and, and, and I love – being on the run, being on the go, whether that's recruitment, whether that's coaching, um, you know, whether that's running from one practice to the next, uh, I just love the hustle and bustle of it all. 
Um, you know, and that, that's, that's something that I, I think I thrive on and, you know, it kind of gets the juices going for me. You know, many, uh, many years ago, I, I believe Justin, I, myself and you kind of came up in the Western New York area at the same time. Um, and I certainly were doing a good job in the high school ranks. And then, and then you decided to take that next step up. What kind of a decision was that? for you to uh, move on from the high school game and then uh, try your hat with at the college level? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple factors in that. You know, one, I had a, a bit of a taste of it with uh, Mike McDonald, um, you know, who I consider, you know, a, a mentor of mine um, at Medai when he gave me an opportunity to coach their JV team uh, at a really young age, uh, right out of college, actually. Um, you know, and that gave me that first taste of that level, and, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, then I did two years of varsity boys basketball at Grand Island, kind of like you mentioned, um, you know, and John Roth giving me that opportunity to, to be a varsity head coach at 22 years old is something that, you know, I could never repay him for. Um, and then, you know, Bob McEwen at Niagara County Community College, he, he's been a fixture here. Uh, he's a star point grad and we go way back and, you know, he brought me into his office one day and said, hey, we're, we're trying to go in a different direction and I, I think you're the guy for it. And I was kind of taken aback, never really thinking that that was um, the path I was going to go, especially women's basketball, considering I had coached boys and men's before that. But um, man, what a, what a blessing that was for, for him to have that faith in me, um, you know, that I could be the, the one to turn that program around. And, you know, nine years later, we're here, and I'm still loving it every day. And um, I, I would never go back to the boys now. I, I just love love the girls' game. I love the passion that the girls have for it. Um, I love the energy that they bring. Um, you know, and they, they just they make my, my days brighter. So, um, you know, th- those are some of the people that kind of helped me get to, get to where I am. And, um, you know, it's just been, been nothing but a blast for the last nine years at NCCC. So, Nate, I just feel like uh, listening to you talk about moving over to the girls' side with three daughters of my own and a son. You know, I've coached, started getting into coaching the the ladies as well here the last couple of years as my daughters get older. It is. It's a different different vibe, isn't it? What would you say is like, other than just what some of the things you mentioned, just expand on that a little bit. What what were some of the biggest things that you saw when you switched over? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Two things. I, I always seem to get this hit me when I'm like riding in a, a, a bus or, or taking a van and we're driving, you know, four or five hours home and they're they're blasting the music and singing along and um, stuff like that. And I'm always like, man, I, think of back to like 18 to 22 year old Nate. I, I would have never thought I'd be doing this. It's, it's kind of crazy, but it, it kind of makes me smile um, thinking about that. And um you know, but but one of the biggest differences for me, like I said, was was just the fact that they, you know, they were they were there was more like enjoyment, and there was more, um, you know, love of the game and passion, and, and just you could see it in their faces and the way that they are every single day. Where where the boys, um, you know, they they're always thinking about like the the next stop or. You know, they, they want to go pro or something like that, where I think the girls are more in the moment and they want to they want to strive for, for that improvement. Um, and, and they they enjoy, I think, the process, too, um, of, of getting, you know, seeing small gains, I guess, from, you know, kids that you're talking about, you know, being able to finish with their weekend or or having more confidence to dribble with their weekend or, um, you know, being able to maybe take the next step and finish a Euro step or, you um, you know, hit a three ball, maybe they, they, they don't have the range to get that. And just to see the the enjoyment on their face, um, you know, you tend to see it more with the girls and it just it just feels right. Yeah, that's that's so great. I appreciate that. I want to just take a step back because like Eric said a little earlier, we do go back a little bit. We've known each other a long, long time, the three of us. But going back to those, you know, basketball camp days, working basketball camp and you know, watching you play a little bit, both in high school and college, moving into the profession. Was coaching something you always thought you were going to do? Because if I remember correctly, you also did a little bit of uh, journalism work too, right? And so was that ever like going to be the plan or was coaching always the gig or have you just kind of 
you know, gone with the flow and figured it out as it, as it happened. Yeah. Um, well, well, Justin was one of my coaches at Canisius camp when I think coach Mack was the coach there. Oh yeah. Um, I remember you know, that's, that's the first time we met. That was a long time ago. Um, and then, like you said, I mean, I, I had the opportunity to play at star point and, um, you know, I, I know I was never the most talented player, but I do feel like that, you know, I worked hard. I loved the game. I had a good IQ for it and I always had a passion for it. Um, in terms of like coaching, I've always been coaching. Like I coached football um, when I was in high school. I coached youth football. And then right when I got out of uh, high school and, and went to Madai College for sport management, I actually coached JV football at Wilson High School for five years. And so, you know, Right away, I got into it um, and kind of moved up the ranks from a JV level then to a varsity level and, you know, into other sports. So, um, you know, I've always had a love for the game and love for sports just in general and, and giving back and having opportunities to, to work with young people is, is something that's, that's special to me. Um, I, I loved journalism, um, but I always knew that wasn't like the career for me. That was just something that allowed me to stay in the game and, and, and be a part of it. Um, and, and so then I ended up getting my master's in education. Um, and I always thought, you know, I kind of be doing what you guys are teaching and coaching. And um, it just so happened, you know, I, I teach and coach a little bit older kids now. That's, that's kind of what I tell people. Is there anything, coach, is there anything that you miss about coaching the game of football? I, I actually still still coach football. Um, you know that this is the first year um, since that since I was 19 years old that that I haven't been like a full time active coach just because of the way the season falls here in the spring. Um, but up till last year, I had been coaching football. Um, and one of the reasons I, I continue to do that is just the love and admiration and the the fun that I had together with that coaching staff at Star Point High School, Coach Cavanero, who. You know, coached me for years, uh, who just recently retired, and Tim Racy and Sean Latini and all those guys. Like, I just had a blast with them. Um, and it does give me a little bit of taste of coaching males, too. You know, so you, you get a little testosterone in, in your day um, in between the girls' practices. So that's always kind of fun. Uh, and there's nothing like a Friday night when, when the goosebumps are, are going on your arms and you're getting ready for uh, opening kickoff. Yeah, when those when those lights come on, it's uh it's crazy. I have not coached football in a couple of years myself, and uh, we were up there last Friday night getting this wacky, crazy spring season going, and the music was on, and you just kind of feel feel that blood start pumping a little bit. Um, Coach, you mentioned you started coaching high school basketball at age twenty two. Coach Clump and I also started coaching like right out of college. That's a that's a pretty monumental step getting in getting a program at the young age of 22 or any time in your 20s is really a tough thing. Mm -hmm. Did you struggle at all doing that? I know you were coming off of a year at Madai, right? So did you struggle at all? Like, did you have a strong um, mentor that you kind of relied on? I know I started myself at 25 and never really felt like I had someone I could really call on. Coach Mack, actually, you bring working that Canisius camp up. Those guys that were at that camp were kind of my mentors. What was that like for you as you got started coaching at such a young age? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think it starts with Coach McDonald. I mean, he, he's the one that, you know, really helped me get that job at, at Grand Island. He, he called John Roth uh, several times and um, kind of convinced John to – to give me uh, give me that opportunity, um, you know we we didn't win a ton of games um, those couple of years, um, but but I I think I had the opportunity to kind of grow on the fly so to speak. Um, I'm sure I made mistakes. I know I did, um, but but it was man a golden opportunity that you know I, I would never never trade. Um, you know and, and I was young. Um, you know, and, and, and like I said, I just, I think I did make some mistakes, but, but I know that I, I gave it everything that I had. Um, you know, there, there were some kids there that, you know, ultimately grew, 
grew in love with the game during the time that we had together where we had all those extra workouts and AAU tournaments and, um, you know, putting teams together and summer leagues and different things. And um, I think it, it, it helped them grow a passion for the game that I had. And then, you know, there's a few of them that even moved on and played in college. So, you know, I, I look upon that as, as, as kind of a win, even though we didn't win a lot of ball games per se in those couple of years there. So speaking about getting some wins, your program at with the women's team at NCCC, they've been getting plenty of wins lately. Nate, um, at what time in your career, your, your stop there, um, did you start to see, you know, these things come into fruition where, you know, you laid the groundwork and now, you know, you've got your standards for what you wanted to see and now it's all about going in and getting the right athletes how long did you think it really took you to, to establish that? Yeah, I mean, my, my second season there, we really turned a big corner, um, you know, and at that time we, we had almost exclusively local players, a lot of Niagara Orleans, Niagara Frontier League kids, um, but but that was a group that really turned turned the page for our program. We won 25 games that second year. Um, we were in the national rankings for the first time ever. Um, I believe that season we started 20-0. and 0. Um, So that, that was kind of the group that really set the stage for, for what we could do. And then obviously the last two seasons have been just incredible. I mean, this past year was a little bit different with the COVID, but, but the two years prior to that, um, winning 61 games and being top 10 in the country and um, qualifying for the national tournament and being amongst the top five seeds. And um, and I think the most important thing is, like I said, moving our kids on. We've had five Division One players during that time, um, and, and most of them are, are local success stories. Uh, I think that's a big part of this equation, too, is is we we love local kids that are kind of you know, quote unquote, being slept on or um, maybe haven't had the opportunities presented to them. We love giving them that chance, giving them the opportunity to bet on themselves for two years here at NCCC and, and see where it can take them. And those those five kids and, and countless others, really, for that matter, um, have taken advantage of that and, you know, been much better off in the form of scholarships and, and playing at a higher level. So, um, you know, that, that's what we're most proud of. Yes, we've won a lot of games, but a uh, Love to see the success after their time at NCCC. Now, Nate, you, you said the word slept on. Coach and I have had a couple podcasts always, about that. Always using that term, yeah. Yep. Um, but like in the women's game, what do you think is is normally the reason? Is it quickness? Is it just you know regular size? It seems like in the men's game, it's just like a kid that just lacks size at the time when they're 17 or 18 years old. What do you think it is in the women's game? Uh, Personally, I, I think it's just, you know, the, the, the grind and the, like, overall skill development is, is still lacking, um, you know, and the people that are willing to put in the time for that, um, you know, are going to get rewarded at the end. And that's, you know, conversations that I've had with, you know, just talking about Paige and Borski in particular from New Fame um, is just that. Um, you know, you, you got to put in the time if you want to reap the rewards at the end. And, and she's a girl that obviously did. And um, I, I will say, you know, sometimes as, as much as I love the girls, there, there is times where they, you know, maybe have, have other priorities or other choices to make in their life. And, and they may not be willing to, 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 to put in all the time that is necessary to play at the highest level. Um, you know, so I, I really think it's that. I mean, of course, everybody wants quick twitch athletes and um, they want that speed and athleticism and, you know, size is always fantastic. But um, I, I just think it's it's that willingness to to to, you know, never sell, sell yourself short and never, never um, leave anything on the table, leave any opportunity, um, you know, that leave anything out there for you. Yeah, so coach, I think you maybe already kind of answered this. So, and I just want to follow up and make sure I'm hearing you correctly. So, when you go into, you know, someone's living room to to recruit them to NCCC, what are you looking for that gets you into that conversation? And what does that pitch kind of sound like? What do you what do you sell? Like, because we're obviously we're Niagara Orleans League coaches. Like, we're fans. We're seven one six guys, but we're you know we're our heart is in the. Niagara region. So 
we just love the fact that you guys are, are having so much success. What is it that, you know, you're selling Western New York athletes and now regionally um, these athletes on to come to NCCC? What's that look like? What kind of players are you looking for? Yeah, I think we're looking for the kids that, um, you know, ha- have that goal and dream and aspiration to play at the highest level um, that they possibly can play at, no matter what that may be. Um, so, like, we're looking for a lot of kids that maybe have Division three interest or offers um, or even Division two interest or offers out of high school, but they're not the right fit for them or financially that it maybe don't make the most sense for them to kind of come our way for two years, you know, work their butt off in the classroom and on the court and ultimately, you know, earn a scholarship to, to whatever level that they fit in at. Um, Like I mentioned before, junior college, I feel like, is an opportunity to prove yourself. It's kind of a proving ground. Um, Another term that that we use often is that it's a chance to kind of bet on yourself and how hard you're going to work and, you know, how much investment you're you're willing to put in um, to kind of pay it off in the end in, in, in terms of a scholarship. That's that's so great. And I think when you find kids like that, that's when obviously the, the success takes care of itself. If you've got a bunch of kids that are betting on themselves, what did, what do you and this is what I always find intriguing from coaches that have that approach, that perspective. Do you think your style um, of coaching or your philosophy on coaching, like the s- system that you like to play, for example, is more built around showcasing like do you have a style that you came in with or has that changed over the years i apologize i i don't think i'm asking the question very clearly like is this is the way you coach set up for these kids to be successful is it the way you've always coached how has that transformed over the years yeah i've definitely changed in that regard i mean i i grew up and you know, I love Coach Schaff, and we still talk, but, you know, we, we played a totally different style when I played in high school. We were running the flex offense, and, you know, we were so disciplined in the half court and stuff like that. Um, you know, kids nowadays and the athletes that we're bringing in and the kids that we are trying to showcase, I think that's a good word, you know, they want to play up-tempo. And so, you know, we've played fast. We've averaged close to, if not over, 90 points a game the last few years. We love to get out and transition. We spend a lot of our practices on our fast break patterns, our transition drills, our secondary break, our early offense, stuff like that. Um, you know, and it's it's allowed our kids to kind of, um, you know, play freely, have fun, um, and play similar to what they see on TV. I mean, everybody sees, you know, the Warriors and the success that they've had and even the Lakers and the, the way that they play and the, the Brooklyn Nets and um, even in the collegiate ranks, Gonzaga this year and, and some of the women's games, just, you know, how much how much they enjoy playing in space and they play that up and down game. Um, I do think they thrive uh, and they have more fun doing that. I also think it gives the opportunity to play more kids um, you know, get more kids involved, um, you know, and, and build, you know, depth and camaraderie amongst your program, if that makes sense as well. Yeah. And, and Nate, I think you already hit on this. My question here with your last answer for Justin's question. Um, are you guys more of a space and, and pace sort of team to fit the, the girls that you want to have in your program? Or would you year by year, depending on what you know is coming in, maybe change that into a half-court team, depending on, like, say, if you get a a couple um, girls that can really score the ball down low or your team just maybe doesn't run as as well as another, would you you slow it down? Or do you want to just kind of keep pushing that because that's your style and that's your system? Yeah. um, You know, we've discussed this, me and my staff, at different times, and it seems like just in the in terms of recruitment and the recruitment cycle, um, you know, find, finding those kids that you can kind of pump it into the post and play off of them are, are few and far between. Yeah. Uh, they're usually gobbled up at a, at a higher level before they, they get to us. Um, so it tends to lead to more of a guard-oriented um, team program, um, you know, system. And so, you know, that's where, like you said, I, I think we love to push the ball in transition. We love to shoot three balls. I, I love a- anytime I can find shooters, whether they're, you know, tall, small, um, you know, guards, forwards, inside, outside, don't matter. Anybody that can shoot the three, I love them. Um, you know, and that, that was our team. 
Oh, last year, man, one through five, they could all shoot the three ball. They were all a threat from anywhere on the floor, and that's what made that team so dangerous. So, you know, in an ideal world, you know, that those are the type of teams that, you know, I enjoy working with, and, and, and you know, I, I've also been very lucky to have a, a large number of those type of kids during my time here. So in that transition, I know you were saying that um, your time in high school was very uh, controlled offensively. So as you moved up and you, you see that you're getting maybe, let's just say, quick threes in transition, how was that as a coach being like, oh, man, I'm just, I might have to just live with this shot where before I was, it was kind of ingrained into me that that, that might not be a good shot? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know if you, I'm sure you guys have read that, like system basketball, um, you know, stuff that's out there or, or you know, listen to some of their um, stuff on the web. But, um, you know, that that's kind of their thing is, you know, you're kind of you got to be all in. You got to be fully committed to those things and, and be willing to sacrifice a little bit of that, that stuff, that discipline that you're talking about. And even sometimes be willing to uh, sacrifice a little bit of defense. That's probably where I have the biggest, um, you know, internal struggle is the defense part because I, I, I was always, you know, taught and, and brought up on defense, you know, wins games, wins championships and, you know, toughness. And, and I still preach that every day. I, I can't quite sell myself completely to, to the idea of just giving up easy buckets. Uh, that just, that doesn't do it for me. So, um, you know, we're, we're still, we're still striving to be a good quality defensive team uh, on top of being an elite level offensive team. So, Nate, what's that look like for you then? Not that we get too much into the X's and O's here, but as I continue to shape and mold my philosophy and want to do exactly what you have done, growing up in the NL League, same thing, right? Flex offense, man-to-man defense, you know, discipline, take care of the ball type of stuff. How do you get to uh, that mindset where the defense is – you know, maybe secondary on the practice plan. What's that look like for you? Is it man to man? Is it zone? Do you change it up? Like how much time do you spend on it? What's that evolution uh, been like for you? You know, maybe to a fault, but we definitely spend way more time on offense and skills and, um, you know, some of that secondary break and, and fast break stuff that I was talking about earlier than we do on defense and practice. Uh, probably, like I said, to my own fault and to my assistant coach's chagrin because he always wants to spend time on defense. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you, you put in the time and you're going to reap the rewards. That's how we average over 90 points a game. And, you know, we're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country and stuff the last few years. Um you know, for, for us, we, we've really hung our hat on different defensive philosophies for the last few years. You know, I think back to three years ago, we played a ton of one three one. I mean, probably at least two-thirds, um, you know, of the season and of our possessions were in a one three one type setup, which was somewhat unique. Uh, but we just had good personnel. We had length. Um, you know, we, we were pretty good with that. And then two years ago, um, we were kind of – a full court man to man team. And then last year we kind of had a little diamond press that we would run. And this past year we did a lot, mostly man to man. So like we've mixed it up, um, you know, so there's not one thing that we necessarily hang our hat on, but, but, you know, each year you have different personnel and different groupings and we're trying to find ones that, you know, we can be most successful with the group that we currently have. I mean, that's such a great coaching point. I think if any high school coach is listening to this, they should definitely lock in on that. One thing that I would, I've always been told about hoops, and I mean, I'm sure people have told you guys this the same, is that there's a lot of ways to win a basketball game, right? You can win it by offense. You can win it by defense, depending on your personnel. Um, Nate, my question for you is, you know, speaking of that, and it's become a really hot button type of a topic. Eric and I have had a couple guests on talking about analytics and like four factors. Does that play a huge role in your decision making and your philosophy? Or do you just kind of feel out who your players are and kind of go with go with what you know? Yeah, probably a little bit more towards the latter. Um, You know, I I think another part of it is I I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Whatever you can get your kids to probably believe in the most and 
have the most fun with and, and you know, be the most passionate about uh, is probably what you're going to be most successful with. Um, you know, and, and for me, for the groups that we've had, uh, it's been this up-tempo style. It's been, you know, applying some sort of pressure, whether it be, you know, via a zone, a three-quarter court, half court, full court, whatever. Um, that's what's made them happy. That's what's made them thrive. That's what maybe has engaged them the most. And, and I just think that's that's the most important thing. You know, analytics, um, you know, aside, I, I just think their, their engagement level, their intrigue, um, you know, the the passion that they have for what you're kind of teaching or, or selling um, is probably the most important thing. So I want to ask you about, I want to, you know, backtrack here and ask you about the one three one that you were talking about earlier, Coach. Um, and to me, even at the high school level, we don't see it too often. I know there's a team in our league that runs it and they do it very, very well. And, it, and it's almost like the uniqueness of it. So, you know, you prepare for the man and you prepare for the 2-3 and teams always have an answer for those. Um, do you think it was the uniqueness of the one three one or do we go back to your, your previous statement and, and the belief that the girls had in it? Um, probably a little bit of both. But, um, yeah, I, I think you do hit the nail on the head with that in particular. Um, you know, and, and I know you said you had Billy on before. Uh, and obviously Billy is, is tremendous with, with that one three one defense. And he's even done uh, championship productions videos on that stuff. So, so he's – He's my go-to guy when we're when we're talking one three one. Um, so if anybody ever needs tips on that, that's the guy to go to. Um, and he's obviously getting it from his uncle and and some other people that that he's worked with in the past. Um, but but I do think um, but I do think you're right there. Like a, a lot of teams don't prepare. Like you're not spending a lot of time in a normal practice working against a one three one unless you know that that next team is going to be playing it and then you know you're, you're going to be scouted out and you're you're going to be working on it but otherwise you know especially early in the season you're going to catch people totally off guard um you know or if you can catch them at like you know late in a ball game or in in a in a in a scramble situation or, or just something odd like you're, you're really going to catch people off guard and I think it is that that uniqueness or that uh, element of surprise um, that you can throw at a team that that really is to your benefit with that one three one Nate so many different styles of play playing up tempo obviously you have the girls that are coming to and trip really engaged and really excited how is that? impacted your recruiting i know you said when you started it was mostly you know local local kids has your recruiting been able to expand your region your pull um based on your style of playing your success how's that how's that evolved over the last couple of years yeah for sure um you know recruitment really is the lifeblood of any program um but really especially at the junior college level um, you know, cause, cause it's kind of a constant cycle of players in and out of your program. Um, just because, you know, we're a two year school and, and kids are, are looking to move on and, and move to the next level academically and athletically. So you, you constantly have to be recruiting. Um, but we've, we've been very lucky, um, to establish a lot of relationships, you know, over the last nine, 10 years. Um, we've had a lot of really good players from a bunch of different areas throughout the state. Um, Albany in particular has been very good to me. Um, some of their AAU programs out there, New York Havoc and um, the Saratoga Sparks kind of before that and the City Rocks. And, um, you know, they've been very good to me. I've had a lot of really talented kids come through here that, you know, were, were the kids that I spoke about earlier. Maybe they were kids that were going to go to a Division three school and they said, hey, you know what, hold on, I'm going to I'm going to go over there to Niagara County Community College and work my butt off for a couple of years and win a lot of games and um, put some good tape together and, and earn a scholarship. So, so that's been kind of neat, um, you know, but, but really at the end of the day, it's still about the local kids and the local success stories. I mentioned five Division One players the last two years. Four of those five are local kids from Western New York. So they're local success stories, and those are the kids that, you know, we want to continue to bring here, um, you know, and continue to give opportunities to, uh, you know, put them on the, the biggest stage that we can offer them and then, you know, ultimately move them on to those scholarships. Yeah, that's great. And this year with, with COVID and everything, with the extra year of eligibility, how do you think that's going to impact what you're doing at your school? 
Are you think you're going to see more athletes available to you? Is it going to impact these kids coming out of high school? What's that? What are you, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, there could be kind of a little bit of a trickle down effect. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of seeing at the Division One level, um, you know, them have to make some tougher decisions um, just with you know kids coming back for extra years and the transfer portal. Um, you know, and kids that maybe need to finish degrees or kids that are moving out for masters or grad transfers. So there's probably more decisions being made there. But I do think eventually there is a little bit of a trickle down where some of those kids that might might have been Division One go to Division Two and um, you know Division Three, NAI, JUCO, etc. Um, you know, for us and for me, you know, I, I'm big on recruitment early, so we try to establish relationships. Um, you know. A little bit ahead of time. Most junior colleges kind of, I don't want to say wait, but, you know, are a little bit later in the game, so to speak. You know, I, I love to go out and get them as soon as we can. Like, I'm very lucky we, we already have, you know, six to eight kids signed and committed for next year, which at the junior college level doesn't doesn't happen very often. But, you know, that's that's the nature of, you know, finding these kids and establishing relationships with them um, and, and, you know, being able to secure commitments in, in the season, which is big at our level. Yes, certainly. Uh, I've got a couple more questions for Coach, and one of them is a basketball, a little X's and O's for him. Um, and it seems like a lot of teams, like you mentioned earlier, are going to that that space, the run into the corners, getting a piece of the paint, spraying it out. What is, what is another thing or another – uh, tactic do you that you see on the rise if you see any like to me it's like a lot of uh, ball screen action in the Spain ball screen action and different ball screens um, in the games that I'm watching but is there anything that you see that is is becoming extremely popular yeah I mean for us the last few years we've uh, we've really adopted a lot of quick hitting horns action um, you know and I, I think it's it's certainly helped that, uh, you know, during a couple of those seasons, we had some, you know, Division One point guards that could make, you know, dynamite decisions with the ball in their hands. Um, but we, we've been successful with a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, Coach Beeline does some two-guard stuff, and we sprinkle a little bit of that in. Um, but I think for us, a lot of it is kind of what you mentioned at the beginning, you know, the, those those fast break patterns that we're initiating within the first few weeks of our season. You know, we're constantly reviewing them, going back to them on a daily basis, you know, where you talk about it. You get people running to the corners. Um, you've got kind of a three-dribble rule for your point guard. Um, you know, you're, you've got a rim-running post, and, um, you know, you're, you're not afraid to shoot the ball in transition. Even if it's, you know, a little bit unorthodox for some people, you've got to be willing to take that shot. And um, the other thing that, that we like to do a lot of um, is you mentioned ball screens. We like to reject a lot of ball screens and do a lot of like hammer action on the backside and a lot of back screens with cutters to the rim. Um, we found a lot of success with that stuff. I, I don't want to, you know let any of my compadres know all of our stuff, but, um, but, <laughs> that's, great but yeah, stuff. that's, that's what we found a lot of success with because you did, you mentioned a lot of people are going to, you know, ball screen based offenses and, you know, so having some counters and some different things where you reject those screens, um, has been critical for us to, uh, kind of take it to another level when we're playing those, those top tier teams. Nate. So so much good stuff, and we appreciate, again, you coming on. One of the things I wanted to touch base with you on is just how many, because we have talked mostly hoops and we are basketball coaches, but one of the things that I have really admired from a distance is how many roles you do play uh, at C. You know, basketball coach, softball coach, and then all these other side roles. How is that Ben, I know you did say at the, in the beginning that you, you like the hustle, you know, you like to be busy. What's that been like, you know, with the family, with the wife? Uh, how did you come into some of those roles? How do you utilize that to your advantage being so busy? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest lessons that, you know, we're, we're teaching kids, especially, uh, you know, freshmen in college is time management. You know, we always talk about that with, with the kids, and um, it's it's kind of a, a real-life example right here, you know, of myself trying to manage time all the time, um, you know, on an everyday basis. Um, 
you know, I, 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 I do love the hustle and bustle. I love, you know, going to work every day and, you know, having to spend a portion of my day doing press releases and write-ups and statistics on our teams. And then another portion of the day, you know, working on our scheduling, which, you know, this past year has been uh, nothing short of a whirlwind in terms of schedules. And, uh, and then in the afternoon, you know, I'm running to softball practice. And then in the evening, we've got basketball practice. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I really do enjoy it. I know that sounds crazy sometimes. Um, and I am very fortunate to have, um, you know, a kind, caring, and compassionate wife that, uh, you know, she she loves it too. And she, she'd follow me around to every single one of them if she could. Um, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Justin, that she, she is a teacher and a coach. Um, locally, and she uh, she's got a lot of the same competitive juices that I do, and uh, right. that's what I think makes us uh, a great pair. Yeah, absolutely. It's to me, it actually sounds uh, very intriguing. Eric and I have talked before about our expanding roles, and you know the different ways we influence in our in our districts. And I'm in the same boat, doing a little bit of admin stuff right now as well. And you're right, it, it's busy. It's chaos sometimes, but if that's truly, you know, what you've been called to do and how you're going to serve, then it just feels like mm-hmm. a normal part of life. And I couldn't agree more, you know, mm-hmm. having a having a wife uh, that supports you or a significant other that supports you uh, is just truly outstanding. So we just appreciate your time, man, you coming on. We do like to always do yes, some, let's hear it. Uh, some fun questions with our 716 guests. Uh, because I don't know, it's it's a local flavor. So, Clumpy, you wanna you wanna get us rolling with those? Yes, sir, Coach Butel. Where is your go-to spot after the games for some wings? Do you do you like wings? Are we assuming that you like wings? Uh, I think you guys Maybe know they... my figure, so uh, the answer would be yes. <laughs> um, and uh, I would say Elmo's is uh, my my number ah, one yes, spot. Yes, a great uh, answer. Game. Nice, nice. And so at Elmo's, uh, do you just eat them as they come? Are you pre- preferential to drums or flats? Uh, I'll, I'll eat either. I, I do enjoy their uh, their flavors, uh, honey mustard, uh, Cajun, um, you know, diff- different things there that they offer that are somewhat unique to the – to their establishment and you know what I, I said it before the reason why i still coach football is the relationships and times i spend with with those coaches and, and one of the reasons why i end up going for wings after the game is usually i'm meeting uh you know probably my best buddy jonah bronstein um you know a, a local sports writer and uh you know love love spending time with him he, he's always been my guy and um you know we we, we love talking western new york basketball and, and all other sports that's awesome. Should we assume that you eat ranch with your wings, right? You are a seven one six guy. Um, no, actually, I would I would send that back if they gave me ranch. That's right. Oh yeah, I see how that's coach tried to get you that curveball there. <laughs> we only caught we've only caught one guy on that, so one person on that so far. Uh, coach, well, listen, we love it too. Elmo's is a great. Where is Elmo's? I don't know if I've ever Millersport, right? Me. Yep, up by the University of Buffalo. Oh, nice. Well, that's not too far for me. I no, yeah, you get got to get on that, Coach. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, coach Klump, anything else for Coach Butel? He's been so generous no, with his coach, time. No, Coach, thank you so much for coming on Beyond the Balls. Exactly what we needed on this podcast. Keep doing your thing. Congratulations on a wonderful season here, and best of luck to you. Appreciate that. Go on trip. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten.